Hey there, Second Breaks listener. This is Lou Blazer, your host. Before we start the show, I have a favor to ask you. If you like the show, I would so appreciate it if you would leave a review and rating on iTunes. Your review helps other listeners find the podcast, and it helps me learn what you like and what to continue to focus on going forward. I read every review, I promise, from everywhere. So to Faded Lady from the UK, I am so glad to hear that the show is giving you hope and helping you get some ideas for your next steps. Thank you for your feedback, Faded Lady, and thanks in advance to each of you for leaving a review. If you're not sure how to do it, go to secondbreaks.com forward slash review, and that link will give you step-by-step instructions as well as the iTunes link. Change careers, break into new industries, transition into new roles, reinvent yourself and make the dent you want. This is the Second Breaks Podcast. And now, here's your host and fellow Second Breaker, Lou Blazer. Hello, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is episode 42 of the Second Breaks Podcast, and it is Tuesday, March 13th, 2018, as I record this episode. I am so excited to introduce, well, I'm excited all the time, but really today I'm so excited to introduce Shannon Paris to you, who I met through uh, Co-Commercial. Co-Commercial is a business and social hub for digital business owners. Okay, so if I could just step into my soapbox here for a minute. If you've been listening to the podcast or following me a while, you will know that I often talk about the importance of surrounding yourself with people who are going after similar goals. And I don't mean just people who are, you know, giving you the thumbs up, patting you on the back, supporting your goals. Those are good too. But I mean, people who are literally in the trenches too, climbing a similar mountain that you are climbing, like I like to say. I harp on this often because this is the first thing that I would do differently if I could do a mulligan. I had a lone wolf mentality <laughs> when I made my decision to shift career direction. I don't know what I was thinking, but I made it so much harder for myself as a result. It took me a long time to figure out how to kind of right the ship. But fortunately, I have now found Co-Commercial, which is the community where in Shannon Paris is the community advocate. I'm now with people whose goals are similar to mine, whose trials and frustrations I could learn from, and with whom I love to share my achievements, big and small. But uh, that's not why I invited Shannon to the show. Um, Okay, let me get off the soapbox now. Um, Shannon's here because she's got an interesting and inspiring career transition story that you'd really want to listen to. In her own words, Shannon had her dream job for over 10 years. And she lost that dream job when the company downsized and closed some of its operations. Unfortunately, a common story that we hear too often, right? Uh, Shannon then had to figure out her next career move. And it is what she did and what she discovered along the way that I find quite extraordinary. Do listen to Shannon's approach to networking. I know that dreaded word, Uh, but it doesn't have to be icky and it doesn't have to be awkward. And Shannon's approach can work for anybody, even me, the introvert. There's also the bit about how she approached the interview treadmill and what she looked to gain or learn from each interview, even those that did not ultimately pan out for her. 
And really important, do pay attention to how open she was to new opportunities and how a serendipitous meeting with an old friend, colleague, created a one-of-a-kind opportunity that she would not have picked out on her own. Cool beans. Uh, for today's show notes, you can find it at secondbreaks.com forward slash episode 42. And let me now transition to my conversation with Shannon. And uh, she starts by giving us a run through of her career story. I'll catch up with you in a bit. I would say that it's a long and flowery path. I'm sure many of your guests say that same thing, but it's not like I said, I'm going to school to do this. And then I went and did all those things straight in a row and had a career that followed that uh, educational path. So um, I actually studied architecture. I'm a singer. I'm a visual designer. So I've done things along the way. I'm also highly organized. So I have that architecture, left brain, right brain sort of mindset. (laughs) And so you could take those skills and you could apply them to, I have years of retail management experience that sort of always paid the bills. And in the background, I was always working on art and music projects while I was, you know, using retail management to pay the bills. I then had my own business. Um, I had a little brick and mortar convenience store of sorts Mm -hmm. and, um, I co-managed a Borders bookstore, and that's how I met Tara Gentili. We managed a bookstore together. Um, and then I sort of added in this layer of wanting to do good in the world. I thought, I have, I have these skills. Okay, I'm really organized. I'm, I can do management. I'm good with people, and I want to help people, and I have this design background. And I ended up getting a job as a visual merchandiser at the corporate level, for a fair trade organization that has that works with artisans in the third world and then also sold their products here in the United States, in the North American marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was really my dream job. Um, I did that for 10 years. I did seven years as a visual merchandiser. Then I shifted over into the buying role, which is really quite different from a traditional buyer. It's, it's working on product design. Um, it's selecting products too, but it's also managing the relationships, long-term sustainable relationships to make sure that um, people are being paid a fair wage and, um, you know, fairly treated in their country's context. And so then I lost that job. And that was sort of like the end of a a dream job. Mm. And then I ended up at Co-Commercial. That is a job where I am the community manager and the operations advocate behind um, a support and social network for small business owners. You have such interesting roles that I wanted to dig in a little bit deeper. What does a visual merchandiser, what is that role all about? Merchandising in general is looking at like the product assortment and, you know, thinking about looking at what's selling, what isn't, or just thinking about what the product assortment should be. As the visual merchandiser, we're thinking about um, what dis- what how things are displayed in the store, how the product all, in a product line all works together, and how to position that product so that it sells. So it's kind of like the marketing that happens boots on the ground in the store. You know, you're you're positioning product. You're thinking about how the customer is going to walk through the store, what's going to where you should put you know price tags on the shelf. Um, and so we did store design. We had 80 stores. So I managed our department and traveled. We travel out to 80 stores and train all of our people on the brand directives. 
Gotcha. So the the fair trade organization that you worked for had brick and mortar stores then. Yes. Yeah, we had e-commerce, but uh, the the at the time we had about eighty brick and mortar stores across the United States. Yep. And you said that it was your dream job. What made it your dream job? What was it about it that was it the combination of things that you did, or the cost, or the purpose behind it? It was a combination of things. I mean, it definitely was the cause and the purpose. Mm-hmm. Working, um, kind of using my skills to help other people use their skills to lift themselves up. When I became a buyer, that was really different because you know I was was as a visual merchandiser. I was working domestically and I was traveling all across the U.S. As the buyer, I was you know, responsible for these long-term relationships we had with artisans and producers in India. So I spent about a month a year in India. I was absolutely in love with the country, with the people, with my people that I had relationships with there, made really good friends. And I was also, you know, at that level, then you're sort of representing the company in India and you're representing the company to our store network and our customers. So it's kind of like a very like upfront job where I had to tell the stories of our artisans to help, you know, sell the product and to bring fair trade to life. And I was I'm a real believer in fair trade. So I was an evangelist. So yeah, that's what made that a dream. It's such an unusual job. So um, you said you were there for over 10 years or something like that, right? Just over. You said you lost it. How come? What happened? Well, I, I think we're all aware that retail brick and mortar is in a, in a transition time. I mean, it's I, I hear people say it's dead. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think it's changing. I think Amazon, of course, is driving big changes. E-commerce overall is driving big changes. I think the customer's expectations of what they want on from a shopping experience is changing. So keeping up with the times wasn't uh, wasn't. They may not have been the best at that. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, sales were going down and they laid off a round of about 20 people, closed a bunch of stores. Yeah. So I got laid off. Gotcha. And I think that's that's actually uh, very common these days, right? We hear a lot of these giant retail companies shutting down stores one after another. And Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so did it come as a surprise or did you kind of... Uh, anticipate ahead of time so that you knew kind of what your next step was going to be? Oh, I had no idea what my next step was going to be. Did I anticipate it? I saw the writing on the wall Mm. and I started preparing in case it was me. And there were other indicators that I thought it might be me. There was no way to tell. And there's really, you know, there's just no way to tell prepare entirely. So I started working on my resume. Um, But then, of course, it was pretty devastating when it happened. But I set an intention beforehand that if it happened to me, I I wasn't going to wallow in or be maudlin, overly maudlin. I gave myself the permission to grieve, but I but I set a goal to like, you know, to get through the other side because I'd lost a job in the past. Again, when I was really invested in Mm. and I spent way too long wallowing. So those are the ways I prepared was that started working on resume and stuff and set my intention. And so you said that when it happened, although you had anticipated it, you you weren't entirely sure about uh, what you were going to do next or what your next step was going to be. Yeah. And so can you talk to us a little bit about what happened then? Well, I, I think what I, I was like, because I talk about that flowery path that I that I sort of my career was on. So 
I mean, there were th- some threads of certainly retail management, but I've already left that behind. I wasn't ready to go there again. Although when you need money to come in the door, so you'll do what you need to do. Right. So I, I didn't say no to anything. Um, I also had this thread of visual design and I had visual, the visual merchandising is pretty marketable. I, I knew I had a lot to offer, but I knew it wouldn't necessarily translate in a resume directly. Mm. It was hard to figure out where should I, what direction, where was my passion? My passion was in fair trade. And there aren't a lot of people with my exact skill set, which is, would seem marketable, but there aren't a lot of jobs. You know, there aren't yeah. a lot of people doing what we do. So unless I was to go an entrepreneurial path, I wasn't sure how to break other than cold. I was sort of cold calling on people if I could, but I didn't get any responses from that. Um, so it was just getting in front of people. That was hard. I did several interviews in the visual merchandising field with fixtures, manufacturers and store planners. And a lot of times it actually was helpful. And this is another reason I say never say never. I Maybe those jobs weren't the right fit for me, but I saw what skills were really attractive to them. I'm a people person. And I could see sometimes that, that they knew that I wasn't necessarily what they had envisioned. But when they saw how good I am with people, I could see them saying, well, is there a position for her? Sometimes they just have me talk to other people in the company. So it helped me to sift through what, what some of my superpowers were that I may not have even really been leveraging. Yeah. That's an interesting insight because I, so many times when we go through interviews and I've spoken to people who have been doing interviews and they've, they're down on themselves because they've been doing interview after interview. But then when I ask, when we get into the, what are we learning out of the interview process, they're not really able to to get uh, a learning experience out of it or something that they could then translate to the next interview or apply to the next interview. So that's an excellent insight that you just said there. Uh, so listening to what what the interviewers are reacting to, right? Yeah. And, and what yeah. about, to your point, you may not even be highlighting the thing that they're finding attractive. Right, which it's interesting because it really did help influence in a way it's one of the very things that led me to the current job I'm in. So t- tell us about how that happened then. How I ended up a co-commercial. And and it's a very different role, right? And, yes. and also talk to us a little bit about the role because a lot of the listeners are probably not familiar with the purely online digital uh, kind of business, right? Nor was I. <laughs> so... I that so I had two mantras during this whole period and one was talk to everyone and never say never. So I just was like, well hey, I have some time on my hands. I just called up everybody I knew, sometimes just cuz I wanted to catch up. I was like, hey, we can have coffee. And of course, you're going to talk and you're going to just chat and I was just listening to an episode of uh Profit Power Pursuit and Jordan Harbinger the art of charm. And he was, I mean, he's all about networking, but he said the very thing. And the reason why I talked to everyone was you never know what the results can be of any conversation or any networking experience. And you're almost better off not having a predetermined outcome in mind. So I just, um, I called up uh, my friend who I had managed a borders bookstore with Tara Gentili and I think I met, I went out with her and her husband for some beers and then, you know, we had some coffee and then she sent me a little note and she said, 
I don't know if you would have any interest in this. It's only 10 hours a week and it's below your pay grade. Mm -hmm. What I pay you right now, you know, but I need a community manager because she has an online community for small business owners. It's a support and social network. And it's, it's people we call it, say it's for digital business owners, but pretty much everybody today is a digital business owner. If you're marketing your business, you have an email, you have a website. That's kind of what we're talking about when we say a a digital business owner. But I didn't, I couldn't have told you that 10 months ago. (laughs) And I said, well, let's talk, you know, no idea what, what your world is. I had known that she'd gone off and she'd been made a name, you know, had made a name for herself and that, you know, she spoke about business and I thought of her maybe as a business coach. So we got together for coffee and I sort of laid out, you know, what I would need in the long term. I was like, I would need full time down the road, but tell me about this job. She explained what she did. She was looking for an extrovert, someone to offset her introverted Mm -hmm. personality, even though she's a fabulous speaker and whatnot, she's still an introvert who could be in the community and really get in there and, and just enjoy it and shake it up and start working on events. And I was like, she saw that I had a skill set of operations and, and relationship building. And she felt like she could teach me the realm of digital business ownership. And so knowing what she needed, it sounded really interesting to me. And knowing her knowing what I needed down the road, she thought she could do that. And we both sort of, if she couldn't, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Mm -hmm. We always enjoyed working together. So we gave it a whirl and here I am 10 months later, full time. I'm the one full time employee that she has. We have four other team members now who are part time and then things, some other things shifted and so some pieces came up to me, which is my wheelhouse. I love it. So, oh my goodness, and so many things I wanted to dig in further. So, <laughs> uh, so one of the things that I wanted to uh, just highlight a little bit was when you were talking about networking, because this is another thing that I hear. So, when people um, either they're preparing to uh, switch jobs, or they've been laid off, or something happens, and they all know oh, I have to network. And all of a sudden, they reach out to their network cold, right? And a lot of people feel uh, awkward doing that because they feel as if, well, I'm reaching out to my network because I'm looking for a job. And it's so, you know, there's something funky about that feeling, right? But what you said was perfect because you were just reaching out to say hello, connecting without necessarily, uh, you're not necessarily reaching out to people because Hey, do you have a job for me? Exactly. Yeah, you almost have to let go of, and and let go of the fear. If there's something about it that makes you feel yucky, what is that thing? Then don't do that thing. Approach it another way. Because I would feel yucky if I was just like knocking on doors. Just I need after. a job, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. But I reached out to other people who got laid off before me, and you know, I said, "Well, you, now you have two jobs. How did you get there?" Or another friend who I hadn't connected with a long time who got laid off. And I said, well, what are you doing now? I know you're not quite working. She volunteered and ended up getting a job at the different at a place she volunteered at. So just hearing their stories, honestly, I love hearing a person's stories. And you learn from that. Exactly. And then you're in their mind, right? Then you, you're just in each other's mind. It's a mutual thing because you might, 
that's the one thing Jordan Harbinger talked about. You don't know what you can do for each other. You know, you, you, you might have something you can offer them too down the road or even before they have something to offer you. That's another thing too, which is an excellent point, uh, Shannon, because sometimes when we approach networking, uh, and because and, I know I fall into this pattern too, is that um, I'm like, what do I have to offer this person? But to your point, it may not be something today. It might be something, well, first of all, you don't know the person's story yet, right? And you never right. know what they're going to, you know, what they're about nowadays or what they're doing. Or it may be something that maybe a month later or even further down the line, right? So that's an excellent point. Trust an extrovert person to know these things about networking. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so the other thing that I also found fascinating uh, at that, you know, when you were, uh, you know, what was your mantra? Be open to anything, right? And so, and so you were just exploring whatever comes first, and that was a, that's another excellent sort of mindset to have to just be open to what you're hearing from people and new opportunities that you might not even be aware of. So, for example, the opportunity that finally came about from co-commercial, it was probably not something that you would have never thought of that was an opportunity for you. Oh, if I had seen that job listing somewhere? No, I wouldn't have applied for a 10-hour a week job in a, in, a, in a field that I really didn't know anything about, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So when, when she was talking to you about the role, did you immediately see how you fit or did you have to kind of like take a step back to figure out how, what you can bring to the table? Did you immediately see the fit? It took me a little while just to understand her world. Like, but, but based on that 10 hour week position, I thought I could do that. I mean, it was a lot about events coordinating and reaching out to people. And that felt very comfortable. I mean, I've done that in different capacities. I just hadn't done online. But I also, I, what I also did was made a list of all the things in my past job that I didn't even think about that were actually direct correlations. I used to manage the intranet presence of our department. Like I, like all the training materials were delivered online, you know, and um, I worked with our Indian partners. They're, they're on, my day was their night. So I did work remotely with my business partners across the world for four years. Yes, yeah. And it wasn't face-to-face. It was always. It was this. Yeah, Skype was our, our best and emails. And so I, I was like, well, you know what? There really are a lot of things that translate here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What about the idea of, uh, you know, you've been working for large companies like Borders was a large corporation and, and the organization that you were part of before was a large organization. And then uh, moving into a company that's uh, not that large, right? It has massive reach, but not that large from a number of employees' perspective. Yeah. How does that uh, feel? Oh, I love it. I work from home. I love that. I love working remotely. Although Tara said to me at one point, she's like, I was a little worried about you because I am a social creature. I am gregarious. But now I have a roommate who moved in right at the same time. So when she comes home from work at the end of the day, I'm like, hey, you know, so I have someone to talk with. I make sure that I have social outings planned. So like that social component is, is addressed. And, um, but I think even Tara took the time to recognize that and even gave me articles to read about sort of the difference between working in a corporate setting versus working for a startup. Right. Which I did have experience. I worked for a startup many, many years ago. Um, I call it a startup, but it was a retail, uh, art supply store where we, you know, started from ground up. And I had my own little shop where it was a one woman show. 
So I had to just sort of remember what that was like. And she gave me some good resources to do that. Gotcha. And I don't know if this is a fair statement to apply to uh, the fair trade organization that you were part of before. But I would imagine that, um, you know, in a large organization, people have this is your role. This is your job description. And so you are, you know, that's kind of what you do. Whereas in a smaller company or in a smaller organization, there's more opportunities to try different things, or at least that's my perspective. And I don't know if that's that you would think the same way. There is more opportunity to be innovative or to try different things and apply yourself different ways or to experiment. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, there's a couple things I see in that. First of all, I feel like and it might be specific to this organization, but I do believe maybe in a startup, which is more innovative, you're rewarded for your unique ideas. And I felt like in the in the big organization that I was it was punishment. Yes, exactly. You know, it was not wasn't always welcome. I, I was thinking about the word intrapreneurial as an employee. And I feel like that works really well for my personality and it works really well where I am right now. In the fair trade organization I was in, there was a tension between being sort of that employee in the job description versus when I'm in India for 30 days, I have to, I, I have to drive my work. There's no one else there. The job description doesn't always address the crazy things that can happen in traffic. So there was a tension between that other job, between being entrepreneurial and being expected to sort of toe the line. So I, I do appreciate this, that innovative spirit. Yeah, here. I love that word too, entrepreneurial. In fact, one of the things that I am more and more talking about to the Second Breaks community is uh, treating your career as you would your own small business. And you have to have that kind of mindset to be, I agree. to own your career as, as, as in you own your small business because mm -hmm. it has a lot of similarities. So yes. Very much so. Yeah. Uh, you talked a little bit about sort of what helped you in and around the time, you know, immediately after being let go from the organization and before you uh, found your new role at Co-Commercial, you talked about, you know, networking and talking with people. Were there other things that helped you during that transition, do you think? Uh, I mean, emotionally, my family and my friends and I was, that's not just like simple, like, oh, thank goodness my family was there and my friends. I was very intentional about who I spent time with because I was in a pretty fragile state and I was grieving. Mm -hmm. And so I was, I was careful about who I went out with. You know, sometimes those moments in your life are watersheds and migration periods where you may leave some friends behind. And you may find some other people that you didn't realize were going to be your people, you know, because the way they come through in unexpected ways. So just being very mindful of how and where I spent my time and what emotional external influences I exposed myself to was really important. So what's, uh, what's maybe one thing that you learned about yourself Shannon, during that experience, either something that you didn't know that you were in fact that person or something that you realized you've become as a result of this career change effectively, this experience? Well, I would say that what I really had to unpack, what I was, I felt like the past 10 months, 11 months were about unwinding my identity from the identity of Shannon Paris, the fair trade buyer. So I had to extrapolate 
who I was before I went into that role mm-hmm. was such a, such a vocational role, you know, it was a calling. So once I got out of it, you know, I had to sort of like, uh, like, so my personal mission was not to help artisans in the developing country bring their products to the market in North America. That was the company's mission. My mission is to help people to grow as people and as a community. If you take that, you can do that anywhere, anytime, no matter what your job is or what your hobbies are or family situation like that. So I had to sort of re mind myself of my personal mission. That's great. That's another great point because I know personally, for example, that's one of the main hurdles that I didn't anticipate that actually mm. uh, surprised me uh, was how much of my personal identity was tied to my previous career. It shocked me how I had to deliberately untangle or separate the two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's like, who yeah. am I? Am I if I'm not this person anymore? <laughs> who am I now? Right. And like I said, I was at that position where I was the the fulcrum between those artisans and those relationships and being sort of a front person. So I I had so much of my identity tied into that what was reflected back to me what I was putting out there oh my goodness I could spend hours talking to you Shannon but I want to be respectful of your time (laughs) and so um two more questions if you don't mind one is um is there a book fiction or nonfiction, that's made an impact on you that uh you wouldn't mind recommending sure and I I did mention I I worked at a Borders, so books are I probably have a a super duper list, but I thought for this conversation, I would actually go to a more recent book that um, was actually recommended to me by Tara Gentili, my boss and the um, founder of Co-Commercial, but it's called Rocket Fuel. Write down the authors. It's um, Gino Wickman and Mark Winters. And it talks about, um, it defines visionaries and integrators and the relationship between them. So Tara, my boss is a visionary. And, it, and for her, I'm her integrator. And it just talks about in a business, how it's important to define those rules so the work can be done well and, and that processes can be set up. She's, she has the big vision and she can get it out there. I'm, my job is to keep an eye on that vision and the details and sort of bring it all together. That was a helpful book. They talk about Ford in there. They talk about Disney. They talk about they talk about giant corporations where we all it's we all know who Walt Disney was, but his brother was the integrator. Walt Disney had all the vision, but who gets the who carries that vision out and makes sure it's carried out across departments and across and through projects? I'm definitely going to pick up that book. And so you talked about Coke Commercial is the name of the company. Could you talk a little bit about where we can find out more about that and more about you online? Where can we find you and the company online? I, I don't have a brand or a business of my own right now. So you would really be best if you could find me at cokecommercial.co. So that's that's our business website. Great, perfect. I know uh, a lot of the things that we talked about will resonate with so many people who are in similar positions. So thank you so much for being gracious and sharing your story. Sure, my pleasure. That's a wrap for today's show. You can find the show notes plus links to other relevant resources at secondbreaks.com forward slash episode 42. And don't forget to sign up for the free course on career planning while you're there. 
We have got a pretty good backlist of episodes now. You can download past episodes and subscribe on iTunes or Google Play. I will be back next week with a new guest to inspire and motivate you to start planning or at least to start thinking about your next career move. Till then, keep on making your debt, my friend. Cool beans! This is the Second Breaks Podcast. 